Father, this morning we just come to you. We just thank you, we just praise you, we just worship you, Lord. Times are not easy. I pray none of us are fooled by the apparent calm. Open our eyes that we might see you. Open our understanding that we may truly discern and understand and read the times correctly. That we would gird our loins and be prepared when that day comes into all our lives. And stand. When everything is over, we still found standing in that victory which you have won for us. This morning give us hearing ears, believing hearts, and a will that's bent always in your direction, in repentance and in obedience. Speak, Father, for in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There are certain things in the Bible which God repeats over and over and over, emphasizes it over and over again. Therefore, it's incredibly important for us and for God and in the kingdom of God. And one of the things he emphasizes in the Bible is that his people shall walk by faith. There is no other way, he says. My righteous shall live by faith. My righteous shall live by faith. My righteous shall live by faith. Four times he repeats. Once in the Old Testament in the book of Hosea. And three times in the New Covenant he repeats. My righteous shall live by faith. In Corinthians he will say. My righteous shall walk by faith and not by sight. In Hebrews 10.38 he will say. My righteous who live by faith. If he draws back, he says, my, my soul shall not be pleased with him. And when he says things like that, we need to constantly dwell on those topics which he repeats. We need to go deeper and deeper and deeper. An entire chapter in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, he goes over and over and says, by faith, Abel offered. By faith, Enoch. By faith, Noah. By faith, Abraham. Whole chapter is devoted to a set of people who are commended for their faith. So, we have to constantly learn to go deeper into the word because the word is as deep as God because it is his word. It's really, really deep. And scripture says, deep calls out to the deep. Never be satisfied with a casual reading of the word, shallow reading. Never be satisfied because you will miss out on what real life is. Because scripture says, this is eternal life, that we know God, we know Christ. And the primary revelation of God is through his word. And learn, therefore, to compare scripture with scripture, balance scripture with scripture. Like to Nicodemus, Jesus will say in John chapter 3, he will say, unless you are born from above, born by the Spirit, 
you will not see, you will not enter into the kingdom of God. Paul in the epistle to the Romans will say, if a man believes in his heart and confesses with his mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, that is in 10. Yeah, he says, no, in 10, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Okay, now, if you listen to what Jesus said to Nicodemus and you read this and take it at a very superficial level and say, yeah, I believe in my heart and I have confessed and I'm born from above and I'm saved and I'm going to heaven. No, we could really get fooled because we don't look at scripture closely about what. In Romans 10, 17, God says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Yeah, I have faith because I listen to the word always. James will come to James 2.17 and says, Thus also faith by itself, it does not have works, is dead. So that's how you balance scripture. Faith comes from hearing, but hearing alone is not enough. The faith that you have heard and you have received is proved by its action. So if you have only a hearing faith, and no corresponding deeds, God is actually saying, your faith is dead. Your faith is dead. You, I claim I'm born from above because I've heard, I believed, I confessed, and I've entered into the kingdom of God. But Jesus comes and says in John, Matthew 7 and verse 21, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of God. Now he comes and uses the same term, entering into the kingdom of God. In another context, he told Nicodemus, unless you are born of the spirit, you will not enter. In Romans, Paul will say this, so we put it all together. If you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, you have entered into the kingdom. And we go with this reality, our reality, pursued reality, have entered. Jesus comes and says, hang on, faith has works. Then he uses the same term and says, not everyone who says, what? If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus Christ, am I not saved? God says, wait a second. If you confess with your mouth, Lord, Lord, shall enter. Don't think you will enter into the kingdom of God of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. So there is a believing, there is a Confessing and there is a doing. And what is that we have to do? The will of God. So what is the purpose of studying the word of God? Is to understand the will of God. So he says, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have you not prophesied? Was the confession wrong? Didn't they have deeds? Yes. But those deeds was not the will of God for them. Okay? So you have to put it all together to understand what salvation means. Then we will be really, really serious about salvation and understand what Paul meant by work out your salvation with fear and with trembling. Because God uses different, like if you were there on Thursday for the GTLC anniversary, you know, 
we were looking at the primary purpose of education. The primary purpose of education is that we know God and imitate His character and then imitate His works. That's the purpose of education. And methodology is different. God uses different methodologies and symbols to teach lessons. He uses a tree in the Garden of Eden to teach a lesson. He uses a rainbow after Noah to put across a lesson. Jesus uses parables to teach and parables are truths that are hidden. Basically saying, if you're serious about me, you will have to dig. Then only you will find. So scripture says he always taught in parables. Why? He says, if you're serious, you will dig. If you're not serious, let it be hidden from you. Because the kingdom of God is worth all your life, all your effort, all your attention. And if it is not, you will not find it. No. If people gave one-tenth of their attention to the kingdom of God, the effort they put it for an MSET exam, you would be stalwarts, giants in the kingdom of God by now. But the thing is that we are not very serious. So God uses different symbols to teach. He uses different methodology to teach about the seriousness of salvation so that we can walk with the confidence and the real assurance of salvation and we can continue to work out our salvation. The devil, on the other hand, is not interested in our salvation. He opposes our salvation. He hates People, he hates all men, but especially hates those who are saved and those who are walking in their salvation. And one of the ways the devil wants to thwart our salvation is to move us from the walk of faith to the walk of sight. What does he want us to do? To walk from faith to walk of sight. Because if we are walking in faith, we intimidate him. But if we walk in sight, we are right in his realm. He can deceive us, he can manipulate us, and he can intimidate us. That's why God warns in Second Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11, he says, beware, be very, very beware of lest Satan should take advantage of us, we are not ignorant of his devices. We should not be ignorant. We should be very, very careful about his devices, how he operates. And he operates through our sight. When the Bible uses the term sights, it means our physical perception, our eyes, our ears, our smell, our, our tongue, that physical part of us by which we understand reality, he manipulates our sight. Like I said, God uses therefore symbols to teach the truths of the Bible. Because sometimes a symbol, if you study a symbol, we understand a truth better. Now, when the devil, Satan is introduced to us, and he's introduced to us. He's first introduced in Genesis, Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1. What is he called? Not a crocodile. Not a baboon. Of all the creatures on earth. All the creatures on earth. 
how many species we have, I don't know. Animals, reptiles, birds, insects. He picked one and gave a symbol. What did he say? The serpent. Snake. That's why we have an aversion to automatic built-in fear and aversion to snakes. Satan is introduced to us as a snake. And in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 9, so the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old. It's called the snake, the serpent. So snakes are mentioned through the Bible. And one of the things mentioned about a new covenant believer who walks by faith and follows God One of the things told about him in Mark 16 is, he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will not, will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues and they will what? They shall deal with serpents. They will handle serpents. They will know how to handle snakes. They understand the devices of the devil. They know how to handle them. They will handle snakes well. We are all not snake catchers. Okay, we are snake handlers. We should be good snake handlers. We should know how to handle snakes. So listen carefully. Today's message is kind of about snakes. The devil who is introduced to us as the snake is mankind's arch enemy. He was the cause behind our fall and he's compared of all creatures to a snake. It's a symbol. The devil is not a snake, but we look at a snake, we can understand what he's kind of like. And the first thing which we all know, I guess you studied in your biology class about snakes, is snakes don't have Ears. Snakes don't have. They cannot hear. Faith comes from hearing. Comes from hearing. Faith comes from hearing. Snake cannot hear. And he doesn't want you and me to hear. He opposes everyone from walking in faith because he knows the one who walks by faith, he loses his power over them. Because they hear and he cannot. Okay? Understand. Those who walk by sight don't hear. And they are in his hands. Those who walk by sight do not hear. Because he has the Hebrew scripture very well. He knows God very well. He was there for ages before God. You understand how the kingdom of God works. Faith from comes from hearing. Now, when it comes to the term hearing in the Bible, it has two components. One is listening, the other is obeying. Two. Okay? You're all listening. That doesn't mean you have heard. The fact that you have heard will begin after service is over. When God tries to say, okay, you heard today, now you apply it in this situation, whether we will obey God or not. 
Okay, so hearing does not mean I listened, I heard. It means I heard and I obeyed. In James chapter 2, this is what James says. Okay? Yeah, that's also by faith by itself. It does not have works, it is dead. Someone will, uh, yeah, yeah, go to 19. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even demons believe and tremble. Demons? Do they obey? What's the difference between a believer and a demon? Both here, only one obeys. Okay? Demons here. Okay? They never obey anything willingly. They only obey a command because of power and authority exercised over them. Otherwise, they don't obey. They are afraid of God. They tremble before God, but they will never walk in obedience to the will of God. Okay. So the first lesson God wants us to learn when the devil is introduced into the Bible is the devil is a snake. He has no faith because he does not hear and obey. Therefore, he will deceive us not to hear and not to obey what God has said. That's how he deceives Adam and Eve. God said, if you eat, you will surely die. He came and said, you will surely not die. Don't have to obey. Okay, you heard. That's fine. I also heard. Also heard. You don't have to obey. Doesn't matter. Come on, sit there, listen nicely, take even notes. It's also okay. No problems with people who take notes. I have only issue with people who obey. Don't obey. Don't obey the word of God because the minute you start obeying the word of God, you escape his clutches from the realm of sight through which he holds mankind captive to the realm of faith over which he has no power. So we have an entire world, not the earth, world, creation, based on sight. That's why scripture says this world, the ruler of this world is what? The devil. Why? We see, we hear, we taste, we feel, everything is based on sight. And he deceives people through it. And God says the only way you can overcome the devil is through the route of faith. If you do not live by faith, like 2 Corinthians 5, 7, if you do not walk by faith, we will end up walking by sight. And if we end up walking by sight, who has power? The devil. If you walk by faith, who has power over us? God. If you walk in sight, who has power over us? Devil, okay. The devil always, now, I can see all of you. But I can only see you. I cannot see your heart. I cannot see your heart. I can only see. And like I said, I honestly, I believe that I got one of the, because one of the best churches in the world, because if I look at the way you deal with each other in the church and after the church, you're so loving and kind. 
the fellowship well. I see nobody getting angry, shouting, screaming. You pick up everything after you go. You do everything. I only see that. Only God knows what you really are. I don't know. So, if I go by sight, by appearances, I could really say I got one of the best churches in the world. But what does the devil do? He uses this outward appearance to deceive, to manipulate, and to intimidate. Devil is big on outward appearance. In 2 Corinthians, this is what it says. For no wonder Satan transforms himself into what? But is he an angel of light? No. But what does he do? Outwardly he comes and appears to us as if he is the angel of light. That is the reason the Bible focuses on the inward reality and says don't focus too much on the outward. The inward you focus and one day it should tally with the outward. If you are only focusing on outward, you are deceived. Because that's the devil. The devil comes and you look at him, he's so cool, like an angel of light. But if you were to see his heart, if you were to see his heart, you would be shocked. Outward reality, inward reality. Outward reality is an appearance. That outward reality has to match with the inward reality, then only it becomes truth. That's what Jesus is trying to, the, trying to tell the lady, the Samaritan woman. What does he say in John chapter 4? Jesus said, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. He says, we are talking about outside. No, we are true worshippers. Why? Because we worship in the mountain of our father Jacob. Jews said, no, we worship in Jerusalem of our father Abraham. These are all outward reality. Where you worship, how outwardly you worship, doesn't make you a worshipper. True worship, you worship what you do not know, we worship what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. Then, But the hour is coming and now is when true worshippers will worship the Father in what? Can you see the Spirit? Can you? Only God can. Only God can. You know what Shakespeare said? One can smile and smile and still be a villain. If you want to please the worship leader and the pastors, then you can smile and worship. But you are so angry inside. God says you cannot. You need to worship God in spirit and in both are inside. Both are inside. They are not outside. Both are inside. Outward appearance should match the inward reality. That's the way of faith. That's why when Paul will teach us about we all use the full armor of God and he says, if you have girded yourself with the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness and then he says in Ephesians, above all, above all what? Taking the shield of faith by which you will be able to what? Quench the fiery darts of the enemy, darts of deception. 
darts of manipulation, darts of intimidation to get us out of faith into sight. Faith into sight. He says, you need to have this. The Roman shield was so, they had two kind of shields. One was large, that is for long distance battle to handle the arrows, and short, small one for a close encounter battle with the sword. They had to, he's talking about the long one, which covers him practically from nose all the way. You need to have a shield of faith. Because he will throw darts, arrows of deception, arrows of intimidation, arrows of manipulation to get us out of faith to sight. So God says, be very sure. You know, understand how the devil works. Because the devil can quietly come like an angel of light and make us all feel so good with our outward reality. Though it doesn't match our inward reality. And God says, you are being fooled. That has been his strategy from the beginning. In Genesis chapter 3, when he is introduced and he has spoken his words and taken Eve's focus from God and his word, what he has spoken, the, as soon as his focus is from the word and the truth which God has spoken, that if you eat, you will surely die. He has confused her and he has misinterpreted God's word and actually Change God's word when your eye is of God's word and its truth. Suddenly sight starts opening. And what happens? She saw it was pleasant to the eyes. It's pleasant. Very pleasant to the eyes. Hmm? Isn't that how he does? How can something or somebody who looks so beautiful actually bad. He's such a good looking dude. He can't be bad. How can something that feels so good actually be a trap? How can something that feels so good actually make me a slave at the end? That's how addicts are born, made. Because they are made to feel that what is feels so good cannot be bad. Cannot be bad. They are deceived. They are manipulated. And then when we try to get out, we are intimidated. We are what? Intimidated. He tries everything. First he will deceive us and get it. Then he manipulates us by saying, okay, you feel it is bad? Yeah, I'm feeling terrible inside. Okay, it's okay, just a feeling it will go away. Try it one more time. You try it one more time, you feel even more worse. Then I'm going to get out of this. You want to get out of this? Really? Okay, I'm going to see that I let your father and mother know. Oh, please. Okay, 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 okay. I'll, I'll, I'll stay quiet. That's how he works in different situations. What is that? Deception? Manipulation? 
intimidation devil focuses on the outside on the appearance the inward reality is this if you eat you will die faith hears the voice of god sight doesn't that is what the prophets and the apostles have been trying to teach mankind from the time the word of god is written that's what happened to samuel remember samuel he had mentored king saul for so long tall handsome dude that even he got fooled by outward appearance so he came to jesse's house told jesse get all your sons ready tomorrow is the big day and he's looking at jesse's sons all coming and he's looking at the appearance and says this must be god's anointed and god says no that's not you're looking at the outward appearance i'm looking at the inward reality you know the outward reality was david was just a small little boy young boy so even the father looked at the outward appearance and said who's going to pick him you go take care of the sheep on that day god didn't look at his outward appearance at all he hasn't bathed according to what samuel said he hasn't anointed himself he's not dressed in anything he just brought straight from the wilderness but the inward reality mattered to god understand you are a prophet if he lives in this world and his eyes are on the outward reality even the prophetic will go wrong will go wrong the most important juncture of his life prophet samuel went wrong he got the wrong if god hadn't spoken if he had anointed eliab or abinadab or shamma what would have been israel's history a second king saul they were proud arrogant boys see even the prophet can go wrong if he takes this outward reality as reality and chooses to live in it even the prophetic will go wrong that's what the bible is trying to teach us that's what god is trying to teach us okay i'm not sure about the title of today's message i was thinking about the title being handsome men and beautiful women let's see maybe let's look at outward reality and inward reality okay first we'll look at first peter chapter 3 and verses 1 to 6 don't worry we'll get to men okay ladies don't worry we'll get to them wives likewise be submissive to your own husbands okay read scripture very carefully this is something that is inside which will be manifested outside to whom your own husbands not to others meaning women are very good in being submissive to their male bosses in their office and fight with their husbands at home that man is another woman's husband you being submissive to him is not going to get any brownie points in heaven it is good for your career 
But there is no crown there. Yes, sir, yes, sir, thank you, sir, won't work in heaven. That even some of them do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. So inward and outward. Both have to tell. So it doesn't matter if your husband doesn't believe. He's not a believer. God says without opening your mouth. Meaning, don't open your mouth. What does it mean? Don't open your mouth. Don't open your mouth. Don't give him a sermon every time he says something. Just sit your lip. Be submissive. Be reverential in your behavior. When they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear, okay, do not let your adornment be merely outward. Don't focus on outward. He says, it's not saying that you should all come in rags. That's not what he's saying. He says, okay, dress well. But let your appearance not be just outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart inward, with the incorruptible beauty. That beauty cannot be corrupted. Outside beauty can be corrupted. What? Whatever you do, your outside beauty is being corrupted. Now you are all looking very nice because you are young. Wait another 15 years. Then you will know how nature works. Because all outward beauty is corruptible. Inward beauty, God says so. Incorruptible beauty of the hidden person. What is that? Of a gentle and a quiet spirit which is very precious in the sight of God. Very precious. Meaning God says, God as the father comes and says, oh, all my daughters are looking so good today. No, he looks at all the daughters' hearts. And I don't know how many he will be able to say, you know what, this one is so beautiful. So beautiful. Look at her heart. Because in the spiritual realm, hearts can be seen. In the physical realm, only outward. Even the cardiologist who does surgery can't really know the state of your heart. He can only see where the blocks are. God sees the blocks, not the physical blocks. Every other block he sees. Let's come to verse 5 and 6. Okay, only like we have heard it many times that I shouldn't make it stale. Only one woman in the entire Bible is picked up. For in this manner in former times holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves. Where did they adorn themselves? Inside. Being submissive to their own husbands as Sarah. Sarah worked on her inner person through her life. You need to really understand this. If you work on your heart and allow God to work in your heart, you grow old gracefully. Gracefully. And even in your old age, you will reflect the beauty of the spirit. That is why at the age of 89, 90, when Abimelech looks, Sarah still looks beautiful. She looks beautiful. Reason? She was working on her heart. Real beauty of the heart cannot be hidden from the face. But if you work on the face and leave your heart alone, one day the heart will be reflected on the face. That's why you have to look at all the Hollywood actresses 
of the when they were young and now you look at them when and tell them can you wash your face and come i want to take a good look at you then the makeup goes thicker and thicker and thicker even hindi actors look at some of them look terrible look terrible there's no grace no beauty the god said that's not the way it used to be if you had worked on your heart it would have shown on your face but if you don't work on your heart that will also one day show on your face okay inward beauty sight focuses on outward appearance because the devil is an outward appearance fellow he doesn't want anybody to know what his heart is like just look at me i'm cool dude faith works on the inward appearance let's look at bible let's look at the bible the famous example in the bible the 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 cool dude called jacob he comes he sees this is what that's where we have all these terms in english from love at first sight if it is love at first sight have you seen her heart have you seen her behavior when it is love at first sight love is really blind to the inward reality it's only open to the outward reality leah's eyes were delicate but rachel was beautiful of form and appearance kitna sundar hai dekhne ke liye she was beautiful of form and appearance if you study bible carefully you will realize she was not a nice person she was not a nice person jacob is an incredibly terrible judge of character he falls for the outer appearance and verse 18 now jacob loved rachel for what for her outer appearance so he said i will serve you seven years for rachel your younger daughter like i said last time laban looked and said you pakda ko mil gaya got this fellow seven years he watching jacob he is looking at jacob watching rachel with <laughs> this fellow if i can manipulate well i can get him for 14 years free okay genesis 31 marriage is over when rachel saw that she bore jacob no children rachel envied her sister and said to jacob give me children or else i die honeymoon is over life has begun and it is intimidation and emotional blackmail if i don't get what i want i will kill myself her mother in law that is jacob's mother prayed and fasted for 20 years to have a child this one why she upset one because her sister is having baby she envied her sister now she has started blackmail intimidation give me a child otherwise i'll kill myself inward reality is being revealed there is no prayer there is no humbling there is no submit it is intimidation genesis 32 to 3 And Jacob's anger was aroused against Rachel and said, "Am I in the place of God? 
Who do you think? I am God. That I have withheld, who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb. So she said, first she intimidates. Give me a child or I will die. So got him on the back foot. His immediate reaction, what is this thing? I am not responsible. If the problem was with me, Leah shouldn't be having babies. So the problem is not with me. The problem is with you. God has withheld. Now manipulation. After intimidation, manipulation. She said, okay. Here is my maid. Got him. Here is my maid. Have a child through my maid so that I will have a baby. You see how the devil does his work? Now he's manipulated him and got him very well. He's saying, okay, she's threatening, I will kill myself. She's upset. She's depressed. Now I better do what she asks or she may do something to herself. As if two wives were not trouble enough, she's offering me a third one. She should have asked him the history of his mother and his grandmother. And would have said, mother had no trouble in the home. Grandmother had a lot. Manipulation. Genesis 30, verse 4 to 6. She gave him Bilha, her maid, her Jacob. Jacob went into her and Bilha conceived and bore Jacob a son. She conceived. Okay, for a son. And Rachel said, God has judged my case and he has also heard my voice and given me a son. Therefore, he called his name. She brings God into the picture. You see, manipulation, how the devil brings God into the picture, into something which God has nothing to do. Remember, Jacob also did that to his father. How come you got this animal? Now God blessed me. That's why the animal came so fast. No, we have to bring God in to give it some some legitimacy. Okay, Really? God has judged your case? He has vindicated you? And has also heard my voice and given me a son. Dan means vindication. He has vindicated. He is judged. And I am innocent. He has judged my case. He has heard my prayer. And he has given me a son. And I shall name him who called? Always check scripture carefully. He brought a son and named him Cain. The naming is for the father, not the mother. But whenever the manipulating spirit and intimidation takes over, you will see in the Bible the woman names and not the man. And you will see. God has heard and she called his name Dan. Now God will judge this case. And this is what God says later through Jacob the father. In Genesis 49 after she's dead. Dan shall be a serpent by the way. That's your vindication. What shall he be? A serpent by the way. A wiper by the path. That bites the horse's heels. So that its rider shall be fall, shall fall backward. Why? This is a child born of deception manipulation and intimidation, his line will go like that. His line will go like that. You open through the Bible, you can see history unfold past and history yet to be future. Revelation 7. And I heard the number of those who were sealed. 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed. God is sealing in the last days, it is yet to come. He's sealing the children of Israel before whom the Antichrist will not be able to destroy. 
Of the tribe of Judah, 12,000. Tribe of Reuben, 12,000. Of the tribe of God, 12,000. Of Asher, 12,000. Tribe of Naphtali, 12,000. Tribe of Manasseh, 12,000. Tribe of Simeon, 12,000. Tribe of Levi, 12,000. Tribe of Issachar, 12,000. Tribe of Zebulun, 12,000. Tribe of Joseph, 12,000. Tribe of Benjamin, 12,000. Dan is not there. Instead, he put Manasseh and Joseph as two tribes. No Dan. Understand. Understand. Inward reality and outward reality. Genesis 30, verses 7 and 8. Story doesn't finish. Rachel's maid Bilhah conceived again, bore Jacob a second son. Rachel said, with great wrestlings, I have wrestled with my sister. Indeed, I have prevailed. And she called his name Naphtali. What is this? Competition. Are you competing with your spouse? Are you competing with what you call, it's not even your co-sister, it's your sister. Poor thing doesn't have any outward appearance. The husband really doesn't love her. Your husband loves you. Yeah. But I'm competing with her. An enormous thing like conception and childbirth, which is so great in God's eyes because another generation is coming out, because children are from him, has made it into something like a competition. Why? Because the inward reality doesn't match. Rachel. That's why God says, outward appearance, wow, look at her, beautiful in form. She must have been that slender, translucent young girl. When she walked, leaves would have fluttered in her wake. But inside, she was a deceiving, manipulating, intimidating, competing. Not finished. After 20 years, Jacob was leaving. Jacob left with his wives concubines, all the children. And Rachel quietly stole her father's idols. No, before we reach there, one more is there. 14 to 15. Now Reuben went in the days of wheat harvest. Reuben is the eldest son of Leah. And he found mandrakes. Mandrakes is like modern days ginseng. Aphrosodiac, okay? You don't have to go check what it means, okay? And he brought to his mother Leah. Leah. Rachel said to Leah, please give me some of your son's mandrake. Your son's mandrake. Not my nephew's. Your son's mandrake. But she said to her, is it a small matter that you have taken away my husband? Would you take away my son's mandrake also? Look, they are fighting over some roots. Two sisters. And Rachel said, therefore he will lie with you tonight for your son's mandrake. Very manipulative. She said, yeah, don't fight about mandrakes, okay? Yeah, I know. Jacob is with me. And he's not going to come to you unless I let him. Well, I will do one thing. I will sell him for a night if you give me that mandrakes which your son brought. The price for having my husband with you tonight is give me the mandrakes your son brought. And after that, I can have him still. See how calculating? Does her heart in any way agree with her outward form? Now, though it is a woman who is used here as an example, this is true about women and men. 
Your heart could be equally calculated like Rachel's. Then like I said earlier, 20 years later, she runs. They all run from Laban. Laban catches them. And Laban has no clue who's taken his idols. And this is the scene that unfolds. Now Rachel had taken the household idols. Meaning, if your heart is not right, you will never know your husband's God. Because faith is from the heart. And your heart is very manipulative. Instead, what did she took? She took the idols of our father. What is our father? Cunning, deceiving, manipulating, intimidating. So the same idol she carried. Put them in the camel saddle, sat on them. And Laban searched all about the ten, but did not find them. Then she said to her father, let it not displease my Lord that I cannot rise before you for the manner of women is with me. So he searched but did not find the household idols. She's deceiving. She deceived her husband. First by quietly stealing that and now he's deceiving her father too. What she say? She's sitting on the idols and he's telling, you know, this please my period so please don't make me. I, I got cramps. I cannot stand up. You see the extent after 20 years of living with Jacob. Nothing has touched her of the God of Jacob. Then we see the final scene of Rachel. She's dying in Genesis 35. They journeyed from Bethel and when they were about a little distance to go to Ephrath, Rachel labored in childbirth and she had hard labor. Now it came to pass when she was in hard labor that the midwife said to her, do not fear, you will have this son also. And so it was as her soul was departing for she died that she called his name. What does Benoni mean? Son of my sorrow, my grief. You see, she's bitter in her death. Bitter in her death. She dies a bitter which mother, when she's giving birth to her son, will say, I call him grief. Jacob intervenes and his father called him Benjamin, son of my right hand. That's what the Bible is talking about. Our inward reality has to match our outward. Outwardly, Rachel was an incredibly good looking woman. Inside, I read scripture. I think she was pretty ugly. And she died miserably. And God in her mercy takes her out before she can mess up Joseph's destiny. Which chapter does she die in? Genesis 35. Genesis 36 is the history of Esau's Generations. And Genesis 37 begins with Joseph. God said, looked and said, that boy is my boy. He's got a destiny. If this lady survives, she's going to mess him up. So let her die. You will say, poor Joseph, he's an orphan. God said, no, he's blessed not to have a mother like that. Because she will destroy him. That's why God says, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts.
hearts. We don't even understand because he sees inside and outside and he's protecting the ones whom he has known even before the foundation of the world has been saved. We focus on outward appearance. God focuses on inward appearance. Let's look at Jesus. Isaiah 53. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Why haven't we believed his report? Because he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He has no or comely, no appearance. When we see him, there is no beauty that he should desire him. What is the problem with Jesus and the message of the cross? There is no outward beauty. The message of the cross is an offense to the perishing man because there is no outward beauty. It doesn't feed your flesh at all. The cross doesn't talk about your career promotion. It doesn't tell you about how many houses you're going to own. It's not going to tell you how much your bank balance will be. It won't tell you how good looking you are. It doesn't mollycoddle you. The message of the cross is an offense to the outward man. So is the man who hung on the cross because what was powerful was his message and his inward beauty. Outwardly? No. Inward beauty, Song of Solomon puts across as symbols. What does it say? My beloved is white and ruddy, chief among ten thousands. He's the fairest of ten thousand to my soul, not to my eyes. Not to my eyes. He's the fairest of ten thousand to my soul. You go through this and you encounter the real living Jesus. He's the kindest, the most compassionate, most noble, most righteous, most holy, most merciful person you will ever meet. That is his inward beauty. He is the fairest of 10,000. This is not talking about an outward. This is talking about an inward reality which should match with the outward. So the question is, sisters, are we beautiful? I don't know. I am no judge of any person. Are we beautiful? Let's go to men. Men, strategically seated on the left side. First Peter 3, 7. Husbands, that is the men. Let's put across as men. Likewise, dwell with them with understanding. Giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel. And as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. God says, men, do you dwell with Wives or deal with women with understanding? Do we deal with them with understanding? God says, are you considerate? Do you give them honor always knowing that they are a weaker vessel? See, one thing which used to make me mad all the days I grew up was this. I was the youngest among five, three boys and two girls. I always got a whooping from my father. I mean, anything he got me and gave me nicely. Sometimes my brothers also got. But never I can remember in my life he raising his hand against my two sisters. They could do whatever they want and get away with it. And I used to get so mad. And he used to always tell me, they are my daughters. They are not my sons. God is saying, do you treat men and women differently? He said, you should. Should. 
That's what makes you beautiful inside. Because you have to treat them differently with understanding, with consideration, knowing they are differently made. This if you throw, won't break. But that other one, henna, sisaka gas. That's what it means. Handle with care. From God's supply line from heaven, when every girl child came, it came with a tag, fragile, handle with care. And you know, boys get very mad and say, you are partial with the girls. No, we are not. We are just being scriptural. Being scriptural. They have to be dealt differently. You are not dealt the same way. What is a crisis in the 21st century? We have total gender confusion. So the women think they are men. And men don't know how to handle them. Every man knows how to handle a woman who is a woman. But a woman acts like a man. He doesn't know what to do. Because he knows how to handle men. We fight. We hit each other. We forget in five minutes. On the other hand, if you hit them by mistake, they will sue you and take you to court. Yet they want to be like men. This is the gender confusion. Why are all the laws in the world being changed? Because women step into the man's arena. And man has to be structured to say, don't do this, don't do this, don't every office has an entire set of rules. Don't do this, 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 don't do this. Connected with whom? When men alone worked in the fields, in the army, in the offices, there were no rules. There were no rules. Because men knew what, how it was to deal with men. And they knew how to deal with women. But now there is total confusion. Absolute confusion. So men don't know who they are. Women don't know who they are. And a completely set of children rises up who have no clue who they are. And God says, come back to the ancient ways. Let us be, let's have handsome men and beautiful women. Not outside, but inside. Not outside, but inside. God says, dwell with them with understanding. You need to understand how they are made. They are made. You will, everybody will say, I am fearfully and that is about man. Woman is more fearfully and more wonderfully made. Understanding, you need to understand. You also need to understand the other side of it. You study people like Rachel and all of them. Oh, they can be manipulative. They can be intimidating. They can be very cunning. Be very careful to read through their words into their thoughts and into the depth of their heart. What is she saying is not what she means. What do you want for your birthday? No, I'm not bringing any guy. I never ask my wife what you want. I'm just telling you. What do you want for anything? You get anything and try it. <laughs> when a woman says anything, she means something very specific. If you cajole me enough and I've got you down to that state of total surrender, I will let you know what I want. But first I need to get you over there. I will kill myself. What can I do? Okay, take my maidservant. You just see, she got him where he wanted. God says, live with them with understanding. Understand them well. They are not like you. A man thinks that every woman is thinks like him. They don't think like us. It's not like what the psychologist says, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. No, they are all from Earth. They are all from Earth. But God says, with understanding, be considerate and know that 
they are made differently therefore give them honor the way like i said how you would deal your kitchen utensils and then how you would do with that china ware in your glass case how you would handle this and how you would handle this are different treat men like steel vessels treat them differently so women start acting that you are women okay they will treat you differently be feminine so there you are the last days be very careful god is not looking at what the theorists say in the universities and the media and those tv pictures he's not looking at that he's like i will have a set of my daughters and my sons when the final trumpet is blown i will have my children they will be women and they will be men they will be beautiful inside they will be handsome inside is a don't go by sight go by faith work on your inside the devil on the other hand keeps on trying to get us to focus on the outward appearance He keeps on deceiving 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 if you looked at the pharisees of jesus time maybe today also they were outwardly the most religious long robes black or white today also you have them black purple nice collar and they will come with their this most religious outwardly you will think this man is a holy man jesus had something to tell about them this is what he said what you scribes and pharisees hypocrites for you are like whitewashed tombs which indeed appear beautiful outwardly you go to cemeteries wow nice marble block everything will anybody open it will anybody open it inside full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness outward reality these are the teachers of the law the priest the outward reality and the inward reality are absolute mismatch and he's not saying these are people who have fallen and repenting that is fine he said there is no repentance for they are absolute fakes he's not talking about people who fall and repent that's a reality that's a outward inward reality as soon as you repent god restores your righteousness so there's no issue with that but this is a different thing even so you outwardly appear righteous to men inside you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness i didn't say this jesus said it he said like what jesus imagery are fantastic right i would nobody would have ever thought about it. he's picked a right one he said you're whitewashed tombs a little more tougher was the one who came before him who was the one who came before him john the baptist listen to what john says when he saw many of the pharisees and the sadducees the outwardly very holy religious men with their robes when they came to him coming to his baptism he said to them what brood of ah, snakes you are snakes you are snakes flattering to deceive you are snakes who wanted to flee from the wrath to come therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance Do you see how the devil deceives us from an inward reality to focus on the outside 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 
these are all examples in the bible given in the bible let's look at another example given in the bible of the other side we saw a negative side of rachel let's look at the positive side of another woman in the bible because woman always symbolizes in the bible the church so let's look at another woman remember these are all symbols in the bible isaac is we know this woman isaac is 40 years old 40 into 50 is 2000 50 is the year of job jubilee so isaac 40 into 50 is 2000 years that means jesus is 2000 years young and waiting for his bride and isaac is 40 the holy spirit comes out to gather his bride eliezer is sent to look for a girl for isaac he reaches haran he goes on his knees and he worships god and asks for favor let's look then he said o lord god of my master abraham please give me success this day and show kindness to my master abraham behold here i stand by the well of water lord i'm standing here in every church where the water of your word is being preached and looking at all the people who come to the well where there is no word there is no spirit where there is no word there is no spirit because the word is what prepares you to be the bride of Jesus Christ so when you go out of this place and you go to another town pick a church where this is priest and priest uncompromisingly because the holy spirit waits at wells where there is living water where the word of god is preached behold i stand here and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water Now let it be that the young woman to whom I say please let down your pitcher that I may drink that she says drink and I also will give your camels to drink let her be the one you have appointed for your servant Isaac and by this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master he puts his request before God and in his request there is nothing outward oh let her be pretty let her have long thick hair and lord let her hands be so so soft nothing did you see the prayer of elias for a bride for the most eligible man living on planet earth the richest man young heir to all of abraham's promises and his wealth his only prayer is that she should be a girl with a giving heart that she will go beyond the giving of the law she will go to the giving of the grace i will ask for a pitcher of water she will say not only you i will water your camels also jesus will come 4000 years later and says if somebody compels you to go one mile go two miles if somebody asks for your coat give him your shirt too and here is rebecca coming who's the woman of grace how is she described when she comes It happened before he had finished speaking that Rebekah was born to Bethuel son of Milcah the wife of Nahor Abraham's brother came out with a pitcher on her shoulder and the young woman was very beautiful to behold first look is the outer hey she's a pretty girl scripture is written you know she said pretty girl second behold a virgin Pure inside, she went down to the well, pitched up pitcher, and she came up. Did you see how the woman is introduced? What the prayer is, what God's desire is, 
And let's continue the narrative. And the servant ran to meet her and said, please let me drink a little water from your pitcher. So she said, drink my lord. Then she quickly let her pitcher down to her hand and gave him a drink. When she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. Can you draw water like that? Can you, can you really give all these camels? Are you, are you strong enough? The bride of Christ is strong. She's not a weakling. She's strong. She quickly emptied a pitcher into the trough, ran back to the well to draw water and drew for all his camels. The man wondering at her remained silent. He was wondering. Eliezer is wondering. He has seen many, many women in Abraham's household. He has hundreds and hundreds of maidservants. He's wondering at a girl who is the only daughter of a very important family in Haran. She's the daughter of Bethuel, Abraham's brother. Very well to do, very prosperous, extremely important family. What is this girl doing? Early in the morning, she is... Do you have to use a broom? Doesn't matter what your father is, your mother is, your background is. Do you know how to use a broom? Do you know how to draw water from a well? Do you have the strength to keep on drawing? Because that's been your habit. You don't have beautiful soft hands, but you have strong hands. She's no ordinary girl. She's from a very important family. So it was when the camel had finished drinking that the man took a golden nose ring, weighing half a shekel, two bracelets for a wrist, weighing ten shekels of gold. He's taking, he's already sure, this is the girl, this is the girl. He's so excited. And he's taking all this out. One more question. And he asks, whose daughter are you? I need to get the daughter right. I cannot have a girl of another family. It has to be from the family of faith. It doesn't matter how good the girl is outwardly, how pure she is inwardly, how gracious she is in her behavior, how wonderful and hardworking, yet she has to belong to the family of faith. If that is not, everything is gone. Whose daughter are you? She said, I am the daughter of Bethuel, Milka's son, whom she bore to Nahor. And he asked her a question. Actually, I didn't put it over there, but you can put it if you want. 25, 26. Also, he asked her a question. Is there space in your father's house for all of us? We have, moreover, she said to him, we have both straw and feed enough and room to lodge. Then the man bowed down on his face and he worshipped God. Second time worship is, third time worship is recorded in the Bible. First on Mount Moriah, I and the lad will go worship God. Second time when he worshiped, when he reached. And third time when he found he's got an answer to his prayer. What kind of a girl is this? She's outwardly beautiful, inwardly pure, hardworking, gracious, giving, submissive. What does she call him? My Lord. And Hospitable. That's in what beauty. 
That is inward beauty. That's what God is looking for. One detail about the outward, everything else about the inward. And scripture says, Eliezer, the symbol of the Holy Spirit in this chapter, was watching her closely. Christ watches us closely. Remember, he does. If you read through the Gospels, you will see he always watches things closely. That's what the Bible is actually talking about. Revelation 19, 7 and 8. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. I will say, no, that's not possible. In all today, the bride never gets herself ready. Others get her ready. But God says that's an outward reality. We are talking about an inward reality. What is that? To her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. They have an inward reality in which they love. And the bride's inward beauty is shining. It's an inward beauty. And then in 21, the outward beauty is shown. What is that? I saw a new heaven, a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and also there was no more sea. Then I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her heaven. He says, I see the beautiful city coming down. So there is an inward beauty, there is an outward beauty. At the end, they match. There is no deception here. It's one and the same person. That is what God is trying to make us and that is what the devil doesn't want us to be. So beware of the snake. Beware of the snake. So God is building, working on this all the time. The true word of God is directed at the inward person, not the outward person. The word of God is directed at what? Not the outward person. It's at the inward person. Then only scripture, what Paul says, is true. In Philippians 2, he says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but much more in my absence. Same life. Outward and inward. Work out your salvation with fear and with trembling. You see, the pictures are given all there in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Solomon's temple was being built. Solomon's temple is being built in that specified beautiful area, Moriah. It is being built. But that was a final construction. All the work was taking away far away. If you go to Solomon's site, there is no sound there. Nothing is happening there. All the stone, scripture says, is being prepared in the quarry. There the work is going on. And then on the appointed day, the stones are brought and they all are fitted in. And if one stone doesn't fit, it is. We are all living stones. There is a silent work that is going on inside all of us. If we don't cooperate, if we don't agree with that work, one day we will realize we don't fit into that temple. The work is not going there. The stones are being prepared here. That's why the church is called living stones. We are all living stones. There's no sound in heaven of any construction. New Jerusalem is being built on earth. 
but it will appear from heaven on that day because suddenly all the prepared stones will fit in and the city of Jerusalem will take its shape from everybody who allowed God to work inside. So do not be so gung-ho about your outside form. You will miss the inward reality. In Genesis 39, verse 6, scripture talks about this young man. He left all that he had in Joseph's hand and he did not what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. You see how construction is. If we had written in the 21st century, we will write this. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance, therefore he left everything in his hands. Go for an interview. Lord, I have heard, you know what? Some people are recruited into companies only because they are good looking. That's not what the Bible says. He was a good looking dude. The master was looking at him. He said, you know what? This guy is honest. He's got integrity. He's hard working. He can be trusted. And people see only the outward form. But the inward form of Joseph was he was an honest, hardworking, no complaints, faithful to God and faithful to his master. And therefore, when Mrs. Potiphar tries something, it doesn't work. Because he did not have this outward form. He had an inward reality. That's what Jesus is warning us. When you hear the word, let it go deep. In the parable of the sower, he gives us a warning. You know, some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth. They immediately sprang up. So don't get so excited when you hear this. I see you know, all these churches. They jump and they do things. Chill, chill. The word hasn't gone that deep in for you to jump. You just touched your emotions. Chill. Because you don't know the price you have to pay to be made beautiful by God. Just don't jump. Let it go deep. Reason they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. That's why when you hear messages, oh, all this Bill Winston and all these people, when they come, and I once in my life went to see what this drama was. Oh my gosh, when you hear about money, I realize there is no Jew, no Greek, no Indian, no Afro-American, no white, they're all one, not in Christ, in mammon. Oh, you have to see them jumping when they heard about money. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming, the way they jumped. I say, wow, what excitement when you preach money in the church. You know what James has to say in James 1? No sooner has the sun risen with burning heat than it withers the grass, its flower falls, its beautiful appearance perishes, so the rich man also will fade away. Fade away in his pursuit. Just fade away. But where you after? God says, let the word go in deep. Don't look at outward things, outward appearances. That is why Peter will say our faith is so precious, so precious, that we are allowed, more precious than gold that perishes through it, tested by fire, may be found to the praise and to the honor. God tests our faith over and over and over and over and over again. 
He keeps testing us. We don't like that. We want it to be easy. God says, I'm preparing a bride for my son. And I'm willing to go any distance. The first thing he tells is, Eliezer, come here. Put your hand under my thigh and make a vow. You will not pick a Canaanite woman for my son. Who is a Canaanite? A merchant who trades. That's when Zachariah, God will say, in my house of judgment, it is over. There will be no Canaanite. Canaanites are those who trade for gain. When they hear the word, they are only listening. What is in there for me today? No Canaanites in my house, God says. The, Jew, the, the, the true Jew in his heart is saying, what is there in for God today? What can I do for him? Understand how scripture works. Because so many Christians are satisfied with an outward appearance. Jacob got fooled. Christ doesn't. Christ doesn't. Beware of the snake. He deceives, he manipulates, he intimidates so that you keep the outward form of such men. Paul will say in his letter to Timothy, withdraw, keep away. They are only interested in this outward form of godliness. They reject the inward of them. He says, stay away. Another man connected with the snake. Okay, just with the snake. We are dealing with snakes today so that you don't get bitten. Job 1 and verse 1. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. What an introduction. His name was Job. And that man was blameless, upright, feared God, shunned evil. Four things mentioned about a man. We don't know who he is. We don't know which time he lived. Theologians say this is the oldest book in the Bible, though Genesis records history before that. This is the oldest book. We don't know who this man is, but God has four things to say about him. He's blameless. He's upright. He fears God. He shuns evil. He's not perfect. He's blameless. God is not asking anybody to be perfect. He's asking us to be blameless. You sinned, repent and be blameless before God. Walk blameless before God. That was his inward reality. Not just outward appearance. And the serpent went after him. Actually the serpent didn't go after him because he thought there's no point going after that fellow. So God drew his attention to this man. Okay? Who? Devil looked at this man and said, nothing will work with this fellow. God said, come here Satan. Verse 1, 8. Chapter 1, 8. Lord said, who said to Satan? Lord said to Satan, you are ignoring my man. You are going after all these fellows who have no testimony at all. Wait, wait, wait here. You really want to fight? I will show you a man. Have you considered my servant Job? That there is none like him on the earth. A man who is blameless, who is upright, who fears God and shuns evil. Now what the devil said, a big deal. One, you put a hedge around him. Put a hedge around his family. You put a hedge around all his property and you blessed him within that edge. Who will not serve you? You should do like that. That's the prosperity gospel. Who preached the first prosperity gospel? The devil. He preached the first prosperity gospel. Have you not made a hedge around him? Around his household? 
And on all that he has on every side, you have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. You see, we can only obey God. We can't build a hedge. It's God who builds a hedge. Unless the Lord builds the city. You and I cannot build a hedge against the devil. God has to build it. For God to do that supernatural spiritual work around us, we have to do a work which is listening and obeying the voice of God. Otherwise he cannot build. Man obeys, God builds. Job obeyed God, worked on his inside, God worked on the outside. God put a hedge around this man. The book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon will say this, who digs a pit will fall into it. A lot of people will dig pits for us, they are all falling into it. Don't worry about that. Don't push him into the pit, that's all. He will fall by himself. Okay, don't push him. Like at the country where I lived in, when I grew up, you see it was Buddhist, so they did not allow slaughter of animals. But they loved meat. It's a contradiction. <laughs> okay, you love meat, but you can't kill animals. So what would they do? On a steep side of a mountain, they would come and tie their cattle so that you slip and fall and die. And we shall eat them. Because you can eat if it is died in an accident. Okay. So don't push somebody into the pit. Let them fall by itself. Whoever breaks through a wall will be beaten by a... Don't break the hedge. If you break the hedge, if you break the hedge, who waits? God puts in the Old and the New Testament in a beautiful way. God says in Matthew 7, 14, if I'm right, straight, narrow is the gate and difficult is the way. Both sides, just walk circumspectly, carefully, both sides, hedges are there, keep, stick to the narrow path. Because you break the hedge, who will bite? Serpent and white. And how does he put it across to Joshua? To Joshua he says, don't turn to the right, don't turn to the left. Stick to that. Because if you turn on to the right, the serpent will bite. If you turn to the left, the serpent, I have put the hedge. Stick to that narrow path. Stick to the narrow path. The narrow path scripture explains it very beautifully. You know something about snakes? You know, I've killed quite a number of snakes in my lifetime. One thing you learn about snake is that if a snake comes in, if somebody brings and leaves a snake over here, don't worry. Why? It cannot move. Snakes cannot move on smooth surfaces. They have no grip on smooth surfaces. If the surface is very smooth, it's just stuck there. It cannot move. Because for it to move, its scales have to get a grip. The smoother the surface, the more difficult the snake finds it. So why does John the Baptist come and say his proclamation? Look, it is written in the book of the words of the Isaiah, the prophet saying, the voice of the one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. First let the path be straight. Why? Devil doesn't go straight. The snake doesn't go straight. Its path is always crooked. It cannot go straight. So what do you need to do? Make your path straight. Second, every valley, fill it up until it is level. Every mountain hill, bring it down. It has to be straight. It has to be level. Fill the valley, bring the mountain down. The crooked place shall be made straight and the rough ways smooth. 
What happens? Prince of glory comes. The devil cannot move there. You see how beautifully scripture puts it all across? He says, if you want to make life difficult for the devil, have a smooth, straight road in which you walk. He'll find it difficult to follow you. The devil says, yeah, yeah, I've seen Joe for a long time. I can't do anything. Because his path is very straight and his road is very smooth. I can't do anything with him. You need to realize, the devil cannot do what you think he can. Luke 22, 31, we know. Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you. You've been following me. You have made your paths all crooked, all straight and smooth. And now this fellow says, I cannot touch him at all. So he's asking me permission. Will he just lift that head a little? I want to I wanna get this fellow. So you need to realize, God removes hedges for his servants to be tested by the snake. First, God removed one hedge. One hedge. What did he do? He removed one. Satan came in and took all his wealth. He wakes up, all money is gone. His stock market crashed from multi-billionaire to a pauper in one day. First hedge gone, prosperity is gone. Was he attacked because he was evil? Was he attacked because he was disobedient? Was he attacked because he broke the hedge? No. God lifted the hedge and said, test my servant. Second hedge, his family was taken out. God said, okay, you can touch. Look at verse 12. 112. Lord said to say, behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay hand on his. Don't touch him. Everything. Second hedge removed, the devil came in, took all his children out. Took all his children out. The devil did not kill Job's wife because she was more useful to the devil alive than dead. It's true. Reason some people are not killed by the devil, though their hedges are all broken, is because they are more useful to the devil alive than dead. He knew he could use her to nag, to irritate, to see everything possible, see if Job would walk away from the walk of faith and curse God. And he was using her for that. Remember her words? Curse God and die. So if you are living, be sure you are living for God. You are not being left alive by the devil. The devil went after the children. All ten died. It's one of those symbols which God is talking of. The devil is always after the future generation. It's always after the children. Because he knows in every child there could be a potential threat to his kingdom. And if you know snakes... See, National Geographic or otherwise, you know where snakes go? They quietly come and eat all the eggs. The mother bird and the father bird have gone after their career. The snake comes in and eats all the good do, right? He doesn't want it boiled or anything, plain. He's a targeted assassin. 
he knows he is heard in the garden of eden it is the, not the woman but it is the seed of the woman that will crush my head he knows that it is the next generation so every generation he looks there is a head crusher somewhere hiding over here if i can get him before he grows up so cain kills abel first seed of the woman cain are you the fellow who's gonna this thing that's why she says i have brought a man child out and he says are you the fellow who's gonna crush my head before you crush my head i'm gonna fix you that you will crush your brother's head then let me see how you will crush my head you can see the lie after noah everything is destroyed he centers and he realizes it's going to come from abraham's family yes 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 let me manipulate over there he gets Uh, Ishmael created over there through manipulation and now you see conflict between Ishmael and little Isaac from there you come to next level Isaac you have conflict between Esau and Jacob why because he knows it's a seed of the woman that's going to destroy him and then he looks and Jacob has this 12 sons are isme to kon hoga 12 hai lekin ek ladki hai Maybe it is her son. So let me destroy her first. She gets raped. Then he looks around. You know what? It has to be this boy called Joseph. He's too good. I will turn his brothers against him. Get him sold out. It continues. He's after the next generation. Then they are in Egypt. And he realizes out of Egypt, the monk, this one will come. He turns the pharaoh, kill all the babies. get the babies throw them into nile throw them into nile throw not egyptian babies it is no threat from the worldly babies he said let them thrive it is from the consecrated ones throw them into the nile throw them into the nile god plays a nice trick on him takes his baby and hides him in the pharaoh's house god knows how to blind the enemy also jesus is born herod is incited all the babies in bethlehem are being killed you see he's not after roman babies he's not after canaanite babies that canaanite babies are being offered to baal and ashura as human sacrifice but he's after our babies because he knows they are destined his children then he went all history you will see he went after the jews next month may 14th less than a month a month and another 6 days to go israel will be celebrating 70 years that's why you are seeing the churning that is going on because the devil is mad everybody is mad because 70 years of this nation coming back to life 1948 may 17 but before he knew he knew history he knew how to read daniel's 70 weeks and all he knew this nation is going to be born and this nation is going to be trouble for me in future so he used a hitler to try to wipe out the jews god had a remnant who came back and that became israel so you will see two ways you operate where the church is growing powerfully consecrated to god mighty mighty persecution is working out china is become really bad because after mao zedong we have another dictator who has taken over he has been given a blanket this thing appointed for life after mao no president has so much power he's purged the army 
out all those who opposed him he's a real dictator with all power the first thing he did after he says go after the underground church and proclaim the order has been passed no underground meetings why he knows their destiny is children so he works in two ways against in the western world i want two maps put up i want to show you something interesting first map you see this blue you see the blue this blue are all primarily except for china all the but china also the largest church in the world is in china but it's a different thing all this blue are christian nations where abortion is legal all the colored abortion is not legal we people of god who alone know the sanctity of life has legalized the murder of children in all the christian world because the next generation is being destroyed he has never changed he has never changed in this land alone in the last 40 years at least 70 million babies have been aborted because he knows they are a threat to him threat to him next map another strange one do you see this again blue sits all christian world homosexuality is legalized from gay union you have no children when two men get married and two women get married there is no children and even if they take insemination have a child that child has no destiny at all because it is not a destiny's child unless god works a miracle because he already perverted god's purpose do you see rest of the world still holding back this were the first foremost christian nations devil consumes children don't break hedges build walk by faith on that narrow path walk like job job when he had everything job worshiped god when he lost everything Job worshiped God. That's the true worshiper. Worshiping God has got nothing to do with your outward reality. Worshiping God is to God to do with your inward reality. I need nothing outside to worship God. You don't have to bless me. You can bless me. You can take everything out. I am created to worship you. You see that snake cannot see the future. He only can pursue. So what he does he does a preemptive strike always he cannot see future like god has seen the end from the beginning he doesn't see but he presumes but you walk with god by faith you can never be destroyed by the enemy what does job say at the end yeah job 42 he had also seven sons and three daughters and god blessed him materially double what of he had 
in the beginning. Got it? It could not be destroyed. Job hung in there. That's why you have to be very careful about how you deal with this snake. Very, very careful. In Thessalonians, Paul will tell us something about abstain from all, not all evil, all appearance of evil. Something appears evil, abstain from it, stay away from it. Meaning, don't wait for the whole snake to appear. You see the head coming, either kill it or run. Appearance. He's after what? Genesis 3.15 of the snake. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head. You shall bruise his heel. He's after our heel. We are after his head. He's after our heel. Meaning he just wants to see that our walk is affected. We don't walk by faith. We'll walk by sight. So he will always after our walk. Because he knows the man or the woman, the child who walks by faith. He loses power over them. All appearance of evil. Appearance. Sometimes because of the appearance, we don't realize how evil it is and how drastic the effect can be. And Paul using the old and the new covenant will explain to us. In 1 Corinthians 10, 9 he says, Let us not tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by the serpent. So don't tempt Christ. And they were destroyed by whom? God allowed the serpents to come in to teach us an objective lesson. What happened over there? Numbers 21 verses 4 to 6. I'm just going about the snakes alone. Okay, They journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom and the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. The journey to heaven is taking a long, long, long time. Lord, I am praying, I am fasting, I am doing everything. My breakthrough is not coming. When Lord, when Lord, when Lord, when Lord, and getting discouraged. And when discouragement sets in, what happened? The people spoke against God and against First God and then his leaders and find another church. They will preach maybe something better for me. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food, no water. Our soul loathes this worthless. It's a contradicting. There is no food. But we hate this bread. So there is food. Only thing you don't like it. You don't like the manna. It's not tasty to your inner man. The flesh parts of Egypt. How nice it was when I was in that church. Oh, the pastor came dressed like this. He had a tie and this flowing shirt. And he said such good things about me. Every day I went back home feeling so good about myself. And I thought I was a cat's whiskers. And then the trumpet was blown. And I realized half my friends are gone and I heard nothing. They complained. And Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. And they beat the people. Many of the people of Israel died. Remember last Wednesday's message? Welcome to boot camp. God is making warriors out of them. Not sloppy complaining people. He couldn't do anything but he got a set of generation, next generation who were soldiers who were willing to fight. These people are only complaining. Complaining. If the bed was a little hard, the bed is too hard. If it was soft, it is too soft. It is too hard, my back is hurting. 
It is too soft before I overslept. It's not my mistake. It's always the bed's mistake. Complain, complain, complain. They were not meant to be killed by snakes. They were meant to be snake busters. God has only one solution. Numbers 21, 8. Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent. <laughs> and set it on a pole. Everyone who looks, who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall say. What is he saying? Keep your eyes on Jesus. He is the only one who has defeated the devil. If you look at him, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. You can walk by faith. If you take your eyes off Jesus, you will get bitten by the snake. You have the choice. If you have been bitten, get back on the narrow path. Keep your eyes fixed on Christ Jesus. Because he has broken the power of the devil and taken all his poison away. When children are bitten in remote places where there is no anti-venom, what do the parents first do? They spit the poison out. So the child won't die. Jesus has taken all the poison. Serpent has no power. He says, if you look at him, you will live. Keep your eyes fixed on Christ Jesus. Because he is after your walk. Walk may be long. Walk may be difficult. But the destination is assured. I have going ahead of you to prepare a place for you. In my father's house, there are many mansions. If I go, I will come back. Don't get tired of this journey. Don't complain. Don't grumble against God. Don't complain against his servants. Don't complain saying the word is too tasteless. I don't like your word. God says, let the serpent, the head has been removed. You removed it. Let them bite. Not only the head is gone, God now tells the serpents, go in and bite them. They need to be taught a lesson. Keep your eyes fixed on Christ Jesus. The devil is after your walk. And if your walk is straight, nothing is going to deter your eyes around Jesus through all your troubles and persecutions, trials. You're pursuing God, worshipping God, worshipping God, worshipping God. He will come after your work. Here is wilderness can't kill him. Kings won't kill him. Storm won't kill him. Famine won't kill him. Hunger won't kill him. Finally, the shipwreck. The ship is in Malta. And Paul is in Malta. Reached there along with the Romans and the prisoners. is one of the prisoners. It's very cold, shivering. They start a fire. He, the prisoner, picks up a few sticks to come to light the fire. What happens? When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on a fire, a viper came out. Fastened on his hand. You want the snake to come out? Let some Holy Ghost fire come in. He will come out of that sticks where he is hiding. And he hung on to his hand. Why? Now he's after your work because he cannot affect your walk. So because of your walk in your company, you lost your job. Rejoice. Rejoice. He's not victorious. Keep your feet on the narrow path. Keep your eyes on Christ Jesus. If the devil bites your hands, remember, 
The devil is after the hands of righteous men and women because he knows the power of clean hands. Who will ascend to the hill of God? Those who have clean hands. His hands are apps at that point on earth. I don't believe there was any man who had hands as clean as his. And the devil bit him there. What did he do? Acts 28. Yes. 4 and 5. When the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer whom they, though he has escaped the sea, justice not not allowed. Don't worry about what unbelievers say about your situation. You are so worried. I lost my job. I wonder what people will say. Why did you lose your job? Because you walked that narrow path. The devil bit you. The work of hands you affected. Don't worry. Let them say anything. What are you called to do? But you shook the creature into the fire. That's where you belong. I'm sending you ahead of time. Because I know the end. Because it's written the devil. Death hates the beast. Everything will be thrown into the lake of fire. You go in advance. Before time. Because you chose to bite my hand. These hands have been consecrated to the Lord. You don't bite these hands. You bite these hands. You die. I don't. They're waiting for him to die. And they realized he didn't die. Then they said, oh, he must be a God. Or the devil meant for harm. God says, I will turn it around for good. They all said, this is a man of God. The leader of that little Malta island is son or he is sick. Paul goes there, lay hands upon him. He is healed. Now this whole village is taking care of them. Why? Because he allowed a snake to bite him. And he was not killed. The end of the devil is very clearly mentioned in the Bible in Genesis 20 and verse 10. The devil who deceived them was cast in the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And he wants to take as many humans as he can with him. Therefore beware. Beware. The devil deceives he intimidates, he manipulates, he lies, he puts across his false appearances, he flatters to deceive. Stick to this narrow pathway of faith. And as I close, last five minutes, okay, five more minutes. There is something about snakes which you need to understand. You can actually outrun a snake. A snake is fast but doesn't have stamina. Cannot run long distances. Cannot run long distances. James chapter 5. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count the blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. He says, work out patience, perseverance, endurance in your life. You will always outrun the devil. You will give up. We all know. Evil is shorter. Evil is shorter. Good will last forever. There is an end to evil. Evil is not eternal. 
righteousness is eternal. So God says, persevere and run. Don't give up before the face of evil. Keep on going. Keep on moving. Keep on moving. Keep on moving. Keep on moving. The devil knows something which we don't know about the devil. It is there in scripture. In Revelation 14, if I am right. 12. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. For the devil has come down to you having great great wrath. Because he knows that he has. He knows he has very little time. It's very little time. That's why perseverance is an incredible virtue in the saints throughout the Bible. Don't give up. You may fall a thousand times. Get up and keep moving. Because ultimately you will outrun him. Don't lie there. He will kill you. Don't lie in your sin. Get up. Like we saw on Wednesday. Yes, messed up fully, completely. God said, yes, I'm going to put you in this position because I called you from your mother's womb. I set you apart. I consecrate you. I gave you the guidelines. You went against all that. You messed my anointing up. Now I got you exactly where you are. Are you blind? Yes, Lord. Are you tired? Yes, Lord. Yes. See, I had to get you there. Now has your consecration come back? Yes, Lord. What do you want to do? I want to destroy your enemies. One more chance I will give you. Samson's end, he destroyed more in his death than in his entire life. God says, go out with your guns blazing. You are my son. Oh, I am finished. I want to die. Since that's not what I got you out for. Go. That's what is called a martyr in the army. Martyrs don't die. They live forever. Go to Delhi. Go to the place and see that huge India gate and take a close look. The names are written. Lance Nayak, Sipoy, Commander, Lieutenant. Names are written. All who died for our wars, they live forever. God says, that's how my children go. You fall, get up. Fall, get up. Don't lie there. Fall a thousand times, get up. Because you will outrun him ultimately. Because his end is sure. Your end is not. You have a destiny to fulfill. Destiny. Revelation 14, 12, the last verse for today. God will say, here is the patience of the saints. And here are those who kept the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus Christ. Patience. Don't give up. Don't give up. And if you are somebody here or many here whose faith in concentrated attack in certain areas of your life, Remember, don't give up. That's where your victory lies. The devil went after Job's family. He went after his finances. That's what your attack is happening. Hang in there. Don't change your ways. Hang in there and say like Job, even if you slay me, I will yet serve me. So when the end came, he persevered. God restored him his family and God gave his money back. Double. Don't give up. There are no creatures in heaven. Don't give up. Don't give up. So this morning, shall we stand up? We have two options. There are always two options. Not always. If you and I broke the heads down, answer is repentance. If God lifted the heads, the answer is perseverance. If you and I brought the heads down, allowed the serpent to come in, to bite us, to attack us, God says, repent and look at him. I will build the heads back. 
I will build the walls around your house, your life back. But if you didn't, and God has lifted the hedge, rejoice and be exceedingly glad and keep on going. Persevere. Don't quit. Don't quit. That's what Job is saying. He's absolutely not sure what is this happening, but he says one thing I know. That's the only thing I will do. Even if you slay me, yet I will serve you. God has to come all the way to the epistle of James and says, remember Job, his perseverance. He refused to quit. Refused to quit. Don't quit, young ones. Don't quit, elder ones. Because you're all destiny's children. The devil is not after the children in the world. He is after you. He'll be after them when they come into the houses of God. But he's after you. Don't let him fool you with appearances. Don't let him fool you, deceive you. He's the king of appearances. Jesus is the king of inward reality. Let both match. Shall we look to the Lord? Father, this morning we just come to you. The author and the finisher of our faith. We look to you, not to ourselves. Looking at your promises, that the good work that you have begun, you will finish. All we ask, O oh Father, is that in our weakness, your strength may be perfected. We are weak, but you are strong. Help us to cling on to you. Help us to follow you to the end. Help us not to quit halfway. If there are children in your house who have trained away from that narrow path and have gone through the hedge and have bitten and spiritually are lying there, I pray, Father, today there would be a healing released into their lives. There's only one antivenom known in eternity. That is the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. The most powerful, shortest prayer in the Bible is, Lord, help me. And I pray, Lord, those who have fallen will cry out today, Lord, help me. For your word says, if you confess, he is willing. And the blood of Jesus will cleanse us of all unrighteousness. You are the balm of Gilead. You bring healing into the lives of your people. I pray men, women, children will rise up today if they have been bitten. Get back to that narrow path. Seek your kingdom and your righteousness with all their heart once again. And your word promises the son of righteousness shall rise over you with healing under his wings and you shall go out as calves released from these stones. Our walk will become a leap. We will put on garments of praise. We will not allow the enemy to steal our song. If our own spirit brethren can sing in those dingy prisons in China and Korea and other places, we definitely can sing in the comfort of our homes. We can and we will declare the praises of him who brought out of darkness into his marvelous light. Of God is for us who can be against us. 
No power, no principality, no ruler, no, no one can. I speak a release into the hearts of your people now in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Be set free in Jesus' name. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. For this purpose the Son of Man came that he might destroy the works of the devil. Yes, Lord. Let every work of the enemy be destroyed in our lives. Let there be an opening of our eyes. Not only we will see you, your kingdom and your glory, but our eyes will be open to see the deceptions of the devil too, Lord. That we will know our enemy. We will be forewarned of our enemy. For you have given us power not to run before our enemy. But you said, behold, I give you power over all the power of the enemy. You shall trample upon snakes and scorpions. and They shall by no means harm you. And you promised us in a very short while, the God of peace shall crush Satan's head underneath your feet. That's the promise. And we confess and we believe and we ask for strength to walk that walk, O Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. As we go into the another week, I pray your presence will go with us, all of us. Let us have hearing ears. Let us walk that walk of faith. Let us defeat the powers of darkness. Let us bring glory to our Father in heaven so that he too can say, look at my son, look at my daughter in Hyderabad. Do you see? He's blameless. She's blameless. She's upright. She fears God. He fears God. She shuns evil. He shuns evil, Lord. We will give you something to rejoice about, O Lord, this week. We just praise you. We just worship you. Help us to do our work. And we know, Lord, you will build those hedges around us. Thank you, thank you, Father. I bless your people in your name. May the hand of God reach out into the deepest part of your past and repair those breaches. Repair those hidden things. Let him restore strength in your inner man. Let him give you strength for today and courage and boldness to face tomorrow. Thank you, thank you, Lord. Now by faith, believing our hands have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. By the word of God, our hearts have been purified and sanctified by your spirit. We lift up holy hands in your sanctuary and we bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit Rest and abide with each one of us.